You're listening to Making a Druid, a Nancy Drew podcast. Welcome back, my Druids, to Making a Druid, what is normally a Nancy Drew podcast. However, today you are in for a treat. Today is episode number one of Making a Druid, Tom's version. And yes. if you don't understand that reference, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know what, what that's in reference to. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the uh, title of Swifty fan was already taken. And so we have taken to calling ourselves the Swift Squad. Also, I noticed this week that there were some other interesting things floating around. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Allie, coming at you uh, from the U.S., and I am joined by my partner in crime, as usual, the lovely Miss Teresa. Hello, everyone. And we don't know if you can tell, but we're rocking super awesome new high-tech microphones this season. (laughs) And we're learning very quickly that they pick up a lot more sound than our old microphones. <laughs> our own mics. Really, um, a great. So, <laughs> I, it's going to be a learning curve for the first couple of episodes, but this upgrade only felt right and justified given Tom Swift. So. I know we felt so analog. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so we had to go digital. We, we both bought new microphones just in, Tom, <laughs> in Tom's honor. Uh, we're really excited though. We're really excited to cover Tom Swift. We've been excited for Tom Swift ever since his backdoor pilot in Nancy Drew season two, episode 15, the celestial visitor. Uh, when we recorded our review for that episode, we talked about how excited we were. Um, and then if you've been listening to our podcast since then, we've gotten to react to the news of it getting picked up the news of it starting to uh starting actual like recording and like and so and so we're just really excited we're excited for tom swift and honestly don't want to spoil any reactions or whatever to the rating but um even better than anticipated um i i really enjoyed it i think i was telling Teresa earlier i think i even enjoyed it more the second time i watched it I, there are moments that i appreciated the second time more because they were such subtle foreshadowing of how the episode was going to end that I just didn't catch um, because it's just such clever writing. And I was just like, it makes more sense now. So you get a like a bigger enjoyment out of these little like little tidbits, these little moments. So yeah, it's really good. You know, the first time I watched it and then this is not just Tom Swift, but and we'll get into this more at the end. But the first time I watched most pilots, right? You're so busy trying to keep up with like, who are the characters? How are they related to one another? How, how are they connected? Um, what was that name he said? What was this company? What was that company? That, you know, the first time you watch a pilot, you almost, you need to watch it at least twice because you're guaranteed the second time, since you know kind of where it's going, you're, you're better able to pick up on things like that you missed the first time. So if you haven't watched the pilot a second time, you're coming to us after just watching it that first time, uh, head back to the CW app. It is streaming for free right now. And uh, give the pilot a second watch. And technically, I keep saying pilot. Technically, this is not the pilot. Uh, The pilot was the Celestial Visitor on Nancy Drew, but I consider this the pilot still. I think in a way it is because 
the Backdoor pilot only really introduced us to Tom and Barclay, and we really got a fuller picture of everybody else. So it, it did still have that pilot feel because we didn't meet anyone else in the backdoor pilot the way some other backdoor pilots work, where you get to meet the full main cast mm-hmm. versus, you know, we only got Tom in the episode. So yeah, and and I mean, it was a, it was a great intro to Tom. Uh, it was. He's what sold us on the spinoff, right? Uh, Tom himself and Tian Richards doing such a great job in that that role. So yeah, I didn't realize how great the how like how well written Tom was in the backdoor pilot until I watched this episode when. I already felt so protective of Tom. Like everyone was so mean to him in this episode. And I was just like, you're all wrong. Well, and I mean, I won't lie to you. Yes, I was protective of Tom this episode, (laughs) but I will, I've got to admit that I was very, very quick on board the Isaac train. I was like, protect him at all costs. Like this sweet, (laughs) kind, adorable human being. Like no one touch Isaac, (laughs) no one. Like if you're going to be mean to Isaac, we're going to have an issue because the way he just came in and he, he knew that Tom, you know, needed that bit of caffeine and he just wants to take care of Tom. I'm like, oh, you're not wrong. And we'll probably get into it more, but there is just, and it's just uh, on the casting of the show because there were he didn't have that many lines and you still fell in love with him I did oh god he was so sweet and you can just tell and like at the okay we gotta get we gotta get into the recap we got excited I'm, I'm just gonna go into all of my Isaac moments okay so anywho uh to recap the last time we saw Tom Swift so generally at the beginning of our episodes we always do a recap of the previous episode obviously this is the first episode of Tom Swift but we did think it would be nice to give you a recap, just a short summary of what happened when Tom paid a visit to Nancy in Horseshoe Bay. And so to recap season two, episode 15 of Nancy Drew, the celestial visitor, when Tom was there, uh, Nancy and her crew in Horseshoe Bay were having weird issues that turned out to be caused by a meteorite being kept in the town that was coveted and kept secret and hidden by a group called the Road Back which if you've never watched Nancy, but you watched the first episode of Tom Cruise, uh, Tom Cruise, huh? Tom Swift, you have heard now of the road back. Nancy Drew fans have heard of the road back for two seasons. Um, so when he came to town, the road back uh, had kept a meteorite that was causing some issues, but Tom had actually come there. He'd tracked the meteorite. He needed the meteorite for his Saturn spaceship. Um, and so that's why he had gone to visit Nancy in Horseshoe Bay. Uh, We find out in that episode also that Tom had a very complicated relationship with his father. And by the end of the episode, admits to his dad and the rest of the world that he is gay, but also that he has found the meteorite and a way to successfully man a trip to Saturn, which uh, watching that the first time seemed kind of, you know, random. Why Saturn? Like why a trip to Saturn? And then at the end of the Tom Swift uh, pilot, this first episode, we kind of figure out why. We figure out why why it is Saturn that Tom is so set to get his dad to Saturn. So that's what happened previously on Tom Swift, so to speak. So now <laughs> let's get into season one, episode one, dot, 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 and the liftoff to Saturn. So 
So we find out, um, and we knew this before going into the episode, this actually takes place three years post Nancy Drew episode. So this is now in a different timeline from Nancy Drew. And so for any of my Vampire Diary fans out there, there was a point where Vampire Diaries and the originals were on different timelines. And this actually was an excuse that Julie Pleck used to be like, well, we can't have any crossovers. Garbage. Um, but personally, <laughs> Teresa knows my feelings, but personally, um, I feel like having them on different timelines is going to provide a plethora of opportunity for these writers because the writers are different on the show, right? They're different on the show, but you still have Noga Landau, right? And they're still the same creators of Nancy Drew and the writers, two writers rooms. If you, if you don't follow them on Twitter, where are you at in life? But the two writers room <laughs> work very closely together. They exist in the same universe. I just feel like this presents a really huge opportunity for a notoriously clue-loving group of writers to drop some hints about the future of Nancy Drew. One. Not one. And yeah. I agree. It, it allows for there to be crossover without true entanglement to the Nancy Drewverse, right? Or like Nancy Drew the show, because you have time difference. So like, you don't really have to call back to all of those episodes to feel like Nancy Drew is included. Yeah. But also it brings to question and, you know, um, does this perhaps hint that maybe just maybe Nancy Drew will experience a time jump. The more important question, to be honest with you. We had, we had predicted that previously, that there was going to be a time jump post-season three. So I, I feel like maybe. I think it has to be because one, um, I think this might be like having two separate timelines, though interesting for one season might get confusing or like get a lot as seasons go on and we both want that so but also like just like time jumps are necessary when you've been playing the same characters for three seasons and this is like same age within like a couple of months and the actors are just getting older which is why like I thought it was really clever of them to just have a time jump with Tom Swift at the start because yep I agree yeah so it does take place three years in the future from the current Druniverse timeline that we had established and the first line of the pot of this episode is let me tell you about the Swift family we're not nerds we're black nerds and iconic <laughs> iconic so iconic um, I watched this episode actually with a group of friends and I, I do have a friend, uh, who, who is black and who is bisexual. And when that line was spoken, he goes, Oh, Oh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's so iconic. It was great. And it's um, just like, there's just a whole of representation of like black characters in general but like black nerds like they exist in the uh-huh. world and you don't see them on screen very often uh-huh. and tom swift isn't like doesn't even play into like the typical nerd role which allows for even more representation 
to exist in this universe and the whole cast is just it's just a bunch of black people being black people and it's just like it's it's a it's a pretty it's pretty wonderfully casted and i'm i'm very happy like what this show means like even to to my friend right Mm -hmm. um and when we finished the episode and had a whole conversation about what this show meant and what even just the pilot meant to him personally um i'm just i'm just thrilled and that was such an iconic opening line but it's it's so iconic and it just it tells you exactly what it's gonna be like you can't go into this blind like Mm -hmm. their blackness is so inherent to everything that they do it's intertwined it's going to be a piece of the conversation of like everything that they do it should be as it should be and it was said with such pride like it's not a point of contention yeah so what an iconic line it's probably one of my favorite lines I I just love Thomas Swift already oh but don't say that I've got plenty more lines to come oh there's so many So we then have an opening sequence. We get an introduction of all of Tom's family, his parents, his cousin, um, who at first, his cousin's name is Lino. At first, I couldn't figure out what they were saying. I thought maybe it said Levi and then Leon, but I looked it up and it's Lino, L-I-N-O, Lino. Yeah. Um, Which I guess I had trouble understanding that because I've never actually heard that name before, but he's super cute. And also it refers to him here in the beginning as his cousin. And then later on in the episode, Zinzi actually refers to him as Tom's brother. So it makes me think that he has lived with them for a long time. Because I I noticed that too. And for all for every sense of the word, he is Tom's brother. Tom's brother. Because like later in the episode, they refer to him as his cousin again. Yeah, like I think later. She, I think Zinzi was later when we get there. I think she's referring to him as his brother, and like because he is Tom's brother in every like in every meaning of the word brother. Word brother, and, and it's like perfect for like to the family also. And it's perfect for the the type of scene that they were like jumping into. That line was very purposeful, I think. So yeah, uh, we also we find out that his father and his grandfather are also inventors. And we see our first shot of Zinzi pulling up at the mansion and Ashley Murray, girl, man, it's like every show she does, the fierceness level just like, (laughs) it it like accelerates. Like, brilliant. She's just too beautiful. I think she can't be real. Oh my gosh, she really is. Um, And we also see Tom's like, estate it's not a house it's not a mansion it's an estate full full stop it's an estate um and an assistant is frantically running around looking for tom tom's dad barton is doing a press conference he's taking questions about the saturn trip uh so it took tom three years to get the saturn trip put together right um and that's pretty significant. I mean, it would take most people much more than three years. But for Tom, you know, he graduated MIT at like, I don't even know, in his in his teens, right? Um, so, so him for take three years, that's a significant amount of time for Tom, right? Who is, you know, a super genius. Uh, but they ask a question that requires Tom to answer and Tom is nowhere to be found. 
And Barton kind of fumbles over the question and Zinzi is in the audience watching and she's like, oh shit, gotta go find Tom. And then Claire steps up to take the question in Tom's absence. Boo! I'll get to that later. Uh <laughs> bad vibes from the start. Okay. Bad vibes. She kind of, you know, she reminds me of Karen. Creepy Karen. Yes. Oh, I was gonna say. Yes. I love how well you know me. Um, anywho. So Zinzi leaves to find Tom and they use this kind of as like this neat little sequence to introduce you personally to the rest of the Tom of the Swift family. Right. Cause she first runs into Tom's mom, Lorraine, who is like, Oh my gosh, your skincare routine. I must know. And then she runs into Lino who's trying out some shoes that he and Tom are working on that are going to help his vertical, like help his jump. Um, and they're not finished yet apparently cause they're not working very well. But she then runs into Isaac. Ah! And um, <laughs> and I put, is there romantic chemistry there? I can't. There tell. is. There and, is. Well, I'm reserving judgment because no. I can. I've see, already made up my mind. I, I, I have my ships ready. We can talk about this later, but I can see <laughs> chemistry with him, her and Tom. So we'll get there. Um, I just ship Isaac with happiness. Okay. Whatever makes Isaac happy is what I want. Zenzi. I don't understand why this is a conversation. Is what I want. So, anyways, she does eventually find Tom. He is soldering shirtless in his lab, finishing a propulsion system for his Saturn spaceship or whatever. And can we have a conversation about kids? Kids, do not do this at home. Soldering (laughs) shirtless is a very bad life choice. It is a very bad life choice, okay? It is, like, twofold, right? We have, you're correct, it's a bad life choice, but uh, one, it shows once again that this is going to be a much more adult show, which I think is, like, really interesting that they use Tom and his one true love, science and engineering, (laughs) to show how oh how adult God. it's gonna be it's so and- funny because you're not wrong <laughs> like that's his one true love that's but his also, one true love like, it was a very attractive shot but also i'm like oh ow. yeah but the other thing <laughs> the second purpose of the scene is i think it also shows the how utterly competent and confident tom is when it when it comes to his gadgets oh yeah Um, so I think it was like two layers here and I think it's really interesting because I didn't even think about the second layer until after the scene was over because I was concentrating on the first layer which is wow shirtless (laughs) (laughs) wow that's really attractive but also I'm sure his soldering thing that he was using it was it was not like a normal one it's probably a Tom Swift exclusive, which means it probably once it touches your skin dissolves into water or some shit. I don't know. That's like, it's going to be glitter. Exactly. It's going to be glitter. <laughs> ah. Tom Swift writers. Can you confirm? Does the soldering gun flame turn into glitter upon? I, I think it should. If not, <laughs> can we make this happen? I mean, it's I already like- a cannon, you know, pin it in. Pin it in. So Zinzi tells him that he's needed at the press conference. Isaac interrupts. He's obviously taking great care of Tom as, oh God, I can't even. Um, (laughs) He brings him in his sustenance, right, to get through the day. And he's like, I just know that you need this. And I'm like, yeah, you do, boo. 
Um, and Z is still trying to get him to go to the press conference when Barton walks in and he's so happy to see her. And he asks her, you know, let me talk to Tom. And she's so hesitant to leave because she knows that he's going to be very upset with Tom, obviously. Right. Cause he missed this whole press conference. Uh, but she does leave. Uh, Barton is upset and he's like, I can't believe that you would redo the propulsion system and not tell me. And then he goes into this big speech about how you need to grow up. You need to be a man. You're not ready to run this company yet. And because of that and your sensitivity, I'm leaving Claire as interim CEO. And this felt really aggressive out of the gate. It, I, yeah, it's interesting because that's a choice. We already come in, like Barton as a character comes in as a disadvantage given the backdoor pilot, right? And we know there's already tension. And part of it is that there, Barton hasn't created a space safe enough for his son to come out, right? To him earlier. And so when you decide to have the introduction of Barton on a more personal level be this aggressive, seems like a choice. It does. And I think that the intent, right, is to, as you as a viewer, you already have this connection with Tom, right? And you want to protect Tom. And if, I mean, if you've seen the previous episode, right, and you know his struggles and what he was struggling with, with his relationship with his dad. And so I think this is intentionally in there to make you not like him initially. And so that way, when the, what happens later episode, yeah, what happens later in the episode and your conflicted feeling. And then you get to the end of the episode, right? That moment in the study where he finds the folder and all of that. Um, and it's just, it takes you full circle, right? This is like the beginning of the circle where you're getting a very surface level look at Tom's relationship with his dad. And you, you can't help as a viewer to be like, well, that felt unnecessary, or that felt that felt a little tough, like tough love on your son or whatever. But then you get full circle and you realize, oh, you know, it was never coming from a place of like where Tom originally thought it was coming from. You know what I mean? He was so scared to tell his dad that he was gay. And, uh, you know, that but I feel like he thought it was coming from a place of his dad being disappointed with him and his like and him, him being gay. But then you realize eventually, right, by the end of the episode that. Yeah, and I... And I wish that the end of the episode was enough for me. It's not. <laughs> and well, it might be. I, I don't, I'm not saying it's enough, but it is your first hint is to like, there's something more there. Maybe. And I, I have full confidence that these, these writers are going to make me understand Martin where he's coming from throughout the season as we like get to know these characters way more. But like, as I guess it was just, it hit too close to home, I think is what I'm trying to say. That is very valid. Very, very valid. I was just like, I, I, and I even tweeted, I was like, don't worry, Tom, I understand. I also have parents who are so much nicer to literally everybody else <laughs> than to myself. I feel that. <laughs> um, yeah, because they have like unreasonably high expectations. And like this whole episode, everybody had to me unreasonably high expectations of a man who one is grieving and feels guilty and you had these expectations of him to put all of that aside to do stuff for you and I'm like that's unfair that's unreasonable also very valid 
Very true. And I will be a Tom Swift apologist the entire podcast episode. Every That's time you try to argue with me, I will not take it. That feels right. Feels right. <laughs> feels right. Um, I'm just not ready to write Barton off just yet. After I was at this moment. <laughs> at this moment, I was like, no, sir. No, no, sir. Um, and especially what we found out in Nancy Drew, right? But then by the end of the episode, you know, we'll get there. Um, it, 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 it's like he stuck his foot out as I was slamming the door. Yeah, he left like, the door open like, for us. He's like, don't close it just yet. And I'm like, mm, okay, fine. I won't close it. It's fine. So I was at first, though, I will admit. After Barton yells at Tom about his sensitivity, Tom has a great line right here, although it does echo in his brain later as he's feeling guilty. But he says, my sensitive ass in tailored pants is the reason you can even go on this journey at all. And Barton responds with, and my last name is the reason why you have an observatory to play with. And I was so angry at him at this point that I screamed at the television, excuse me, your father's name. Because at the beginning, um, at the beginning of this episode, right, it said that his dad and his grandfather were inventors. Yeah, so it feels almost like he has forgotten himself that he had an inheritance yep. and that just, and, that and I'm not saying... Yeah, like he forgot the hard work he or he feels like his hard work gave him everything and I'm sure it gave him a lot. I'm sure like he probably helped really solidify the Swift name, but I was like, no, but you're- It was almost like he was insinuating though that like Tom was inherited, like his wealth was- was inherited which yes some of it was but tom also is super smart and works his ass off yeah and and like does a lot for their company it's not like he's freeloading yeah and it's just and it's the thing that really bothers me is that it's so it's clear as day that tom is the one with the ingenuity and creativity to actually do anything new at this point and so it almost feels to me that Barton is, there's like the sense of jealousy that his son will clearly surpass him. Uh, and so it, a lot of, and at this point, a lot of the, the aggressiveness feels like insecurity to me. And I like completely rate him, rate him off until the end, because I was like, you're now you're just an insecure asshole of a father. Like it's not Tom's fault that he was born with this genius, it's not his fault that he was born and has has allowed himself to be creative. And it- well, well, and a lot of Tom's, um, not his genius necessarily, but his uh, motivation, right, to continue to be creative and to continue to explore and to do all these amazing, remarkable things. A lot of it, honestly, was motivated by his own dad's his dad's own genius, right. He Mm -hmm. wanted his dad to be proud of him. Like he looked at his dad and his granddad and saw these really intelligent men who were doing amazing, innovative things. And he said, I have to do that too. Like I have to live up to that. And I think that's where a lot of Tom's, um, a lot of Tom's motivation, but also 
the underlying like insecurity he has right yeah because he feels like he's never really lived up to what his dad is or his granddad is and like that he's constantly disappointing his dad which he says several times right and and so you kind of believe him because you're you're living this this world through his eyes until you see the end right and I wonder, and a part of it, that th- this disappointment that he is projecting that's coming from his father. And I, I bet, I mean, a part of his father is disappointed because he's not stepping up in the ways he wants Tom to step up because he's so focused on the, the, tech. the, the tech. Yeah. But he's not focused on everything else. And I just like can't help but like, his dad is probably wondering what he could have accomplished if he had also just focused on the tech and not everything else because he has his own genius and by conforming to the norm of what it means to be in charge of a company like this he let some of that go and tom he like at the end right when when he's confronting claire about his company he's like well i'm not gonna let that go that's part of what makes me brilliant and that's why I'm going to make this company better than it is. Yeah. Because I'm not going to conform myself to what you expect leadership to look like the way his father did. And like, I think there's like an underlying tension of Barton regretting conforming yeah. and letting go of what made him so remarkable in order to pursue more traditional paths. Yeah. And Tom just won't. Yeah, for sure. And then they have this awful last words parting where Tom says, if being CEO means being like you and Claire, then I'm good. And his dad says, well, if you feel that way, then there's no reason for you to come to the launch. And then later we see Tom watching his dad take off from his lab by himself. He was obviously dressed up for it, right? He had gotten dressed up for the occasion and but he didn't go because his dad told him not to and he says bye dad and at that moment by the way i turned to my friends and i said oh he's dying (laughs) i was like he's totally dying at the end when we saw it i tweeted i was like so stranded dad is gonna be i was like he's dying like something's happening because those you can always tell when they write conversations like this right that are so deep and so hurtful that you're like something bad is about bad to happen. Bad is gonna happen. And that's I, gonna be their last conversation. Uh, I I right, tweeted so. after that scene. I tweeted stranded father. We think and a little corrupted protege because I immediately hated Claire. I was like everything about her is awful. Yeah, yeah, and like it doesn't get better. Uh, <laughs> real quick. So after this is when we get the opening credits. So that was all the the opening, um, major opening. But uh, the opening credits, by the way, are so dope. So dope. So, they, cool. so cool. So cool. Love them. Keep them. They're great. Um, <laughs> but we then see it's after the credits, it's been six months. So we get another time jump. It's six months later. Barclay is coaching Tom. He's about to make a speech. It's been six months. And we had found out before the opening, right, that he was going to go to Saturn it was going to take six months and then he would turn around and come back and it would take six months to come back. Um, Lorraine comes up, Tom's mom, and introduces him to a guy named Justin. And he is about to be a young partner at her favorite firm. And uh, she is 
uh, obviously trying to set him up with this boy. And I mean, she has excellent taste. Uh, Tom makes a joke that his crowning achievement is his shoe collection. And Justin's like, so it's not the space travel. <laughs> Tom's like, no, 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 no. It's my space. It's my shoe collection. But um, he's cute, right? I, I like Justin. He he's he's a great first distraction from distraction the main, from the main meal, which then appears out of nowhere. Um, what a prince he is about to go and uh help zenzi escape from the congressman so he says um when he drops his cards like his speech cards or whatever and only for a, a man to appear out of nowhere seemingly to pick them up and be like hey you dropped this and then time turns around and i swear to god time stopped <laughs> time <laughs> stopped i was like Oh, I, and we find out later his name is Rowan. Can can we for a second though? This man, oh my god, he is so pretty. What okay. the fuck? Why are there I so don't... many beautiful people on this show? Okay, here's the thing. I understand. I have full understanding. This is the CW. They only hire beautiful people. But okay, something but about this well. pilot, I have no idea if it's the extravagant house or the wardrobe because they're all wealthy. I explain. Rowan is god tier. I'm sorry. He is so hot. Like, so beautiful. He is unfair. I mean, like, what is this? I, I, I haven't felt this strongly about someone being this attractive since, like, Bob Morley. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, who is this man? Hello. It's Hello. just like this instant, and it's not because they're so... There's like people who are attractive in like in an overly beautiful way that it's kind of it's like kind of like too flashy. There's something very grounded and real, but it oh, I don't. It's like okay, we can't spend five minutes talking about how pretty he is, but he I mean, is we could. attractive. Like he is like the whole fucking meal. Like if Justin was like a nice little appetizer salad. Like he is like the steak and shrimp. Like he, he he's the good stuff. Uh anyway, so they definitely have eye contact though. Okay, there is definite eye contact. I put in my notes, definite eye contact there. And then I, I did a bullet and it says there's a whole bullet that is dedicated. It says Rowan is also fine as hell. <laughs> this is y'all should see my notes sometimes. Like there- it's so funny sometimes it's just shit i write um anyways so he intervenes in zinzi's conversation with the congressman who i just need to point out Teresa and i both tweeted at the same time during this pilot congressman bad guy <laughs> congressman bad guy and it was like around this time too i think we were like it was no it was in. this time it was this time because this was the second I clocked it. I was like, he's yeah, it was wait, I clocked it immediately. And I think because right after this, you see it, the explosion. Right. And then I tweeted the congressman did it calling it now. <laughs> yes, we tweeted at the like same time. Uh, but anyways, he he intervenes with her conversation with the congressman. He's worried his dad's still disappointed in him that he's not going to take the call. Well, right. It's going to go poorly. Um, but she encourages him. Lino encourages him. He asks Barclay to take them to Saturn. We see his dad's ship, but there's not a good connection with the ship. Uh, And all we hear are like a bunch of distorted sounds. And then 
someone screaming Tom, and then the spaceship explodes. And then we see a close-up of Tom, and all he says is, Dad? And I put the devastation. I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine seeing your your parent, like, explode one right in front of you there's nothing you can do about it he's literally in saturn right but also for tom like immediately of course he thought it was his fault he's like there's something that i did wrong that has caused this and that of course ends up being not true but his gut reaction right especially when you think about how like right at the beginning he's messing with everything last minute yep right so like you're he's obviously thinking I thought I was making it better. I clearly made it worse. And I know they intended that to be like for the audience to think, oh, did he do something? But nope, not me. Personally, I tweeted and said, dad's not dead. I was like, dad's not dead. I know I said I thought he was going to die five minutes ago. (laughs) I lied. He's not dead. He's not dead. Um, I tweeted, oh, they went to the the dead dad route darker than I thought. I thought he was just going to be stranded. My first gut reaction well, was the is. correct one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like immediately in shock. I was like, wow, they really went there. Uh-huh. Yep, they did. Back from commercials and we're at the funeral and they're singing his eyes on the sparrow. And I'm like crying in my soup because I had a really bad sinus infection and all I could eat was soup. And like, and like they, the, they're singing his eyes on the sparrow, and I'm like crying in my soup. Uh, Lorraine is, you know, she makes a comment about about thanking Tom for being the man his father taught him to be. And Tom is obviously on the struggle bus, y'all. He is drinking. He asked Barclay to run simulations, so like he is obviously since his dad dies, he has died. Whatever amount of time has passed in that, he and Barclay have been working to try and figure out what happened. What what happened? And yeah. like this is this is these are the scenes like his mom throwing that phrase out and like hit like everyone interrupting him trying to like relieve his guilt by finding out what happened. This is a moment where I one knew I was going to become a Tom Swift apologist because I knew everybody was going to be too hard on him because the expectations were sky high. Which his dad said they would be. Yeah, which is he was genuinely like, you know, we had the conversation earlier about his dad and his own dad, his own regrets with like, like you said, going that more traditional route. Do you think this is exactly what happened to him? Yeah, I totally can picture to go that yeah. route like to go that route and they're like saying that and instead of creating space where like readjusting those expectations as like you should for each person right and their abilities he just met them like because he felt like he had no choice and he didn't allow tom the choice either but tom um, does end up going a different route so you know does um and a part of it is because now his father isn't there to pressure him to say other I was going to say but we'll get to why he he allows himself to go that route but yeah in a little but, bit um yeah, this is this was like this was the scene where I was like mm, yeah I'm not gonna be a Tom Swift apologist uh, because all of the people in his life are just going to be too hard on 
one, he's a relatively young man. Like he's what in his mid twenties. Yeah, I think so. I would think so. so. That's still so young, still trying to figure himself out. And like now he lost a parent and he feels all this guilt and shame and like regret. And like, and he's obviously trying to figure out what happened because he thinks it was him. It's right? his fault. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I was just like, mm. and from here on out, no matter who technically is right, I'm going to be siding with Tom. Thank you very much. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So Tom has been claimed. I will claim <laughs> Isaac. Um, and we'll let Melissa claim someone of her own next time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so he's, he's not taking it well. He, he goes, he like snaps out of shock on the podium at the funeral. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, the shock is over. Um, Zinzi kind of steps in right. And gives a nice speech. Tom, meanwhile, is intermittently hearing his last conversation with his dad in his head. Um, he invites Justin to hook up, right? Because uh, he needs to get away from it all. Like, he's not handling it well. He needs to feel something other than what he's feeling. Uh, Justin is all too happy to acquiesce, which, I mean, mood. But mm-hmm. also, he kind of looks around, like, at a funeral? <laughs> like, he has Which is the only appropriate reaction to have. <laughs> but then he still didn't give a shit. He was like, all right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should you should pause okay they're the only even if you're like okay uh zero fucks given you should still still pause and be like this is a little inappropriate but like okay i'm down a clown like let's go like <laughs> this is inappropriate right okay i'm just clarifying before we do it okay cool um then there's a really interesting scene where a reverend is talking to lorraine and He's giving say- me bad vibes i'm not gonna lie yeah, to you and she's like there's i'm something sorry that's creepy about her I'm sorry that Tom disappointed you. And Lorraine's like, I'm sorry, what? Like, Lorraine defends Tom. And the Reverend says, well, I don't think he's ready for a leadership role, which I know we're not, it's not designed, it's purposely and intentionally designed that we don't know what this thing is, right? This whole thing mm-hmm. she's talking about. And it's supposed to give us bad vibes, right? Because you've got this Reverend who is like, oh, he needs to step up now. Oh, he needs to step There's up now. Something- it, and I feel disrespectful saying this, but there was like, it's not cultish. Like, yeah, I was just like, I feel I'm waiting I'm sure. to, I'm waiting to pass, you know, I, yeah. I'm waiting to see more about it. It definitely gave va- bad vibes. If only, I mean, it could just be that again, we're Tom Swift apologists, right? We see yeah, this. Yeah, it <laughs> So it's like, well, you don't need to pressure him. Like he, he's, he's but going it, through a rough time and Lorraine but, says that yeah he he she's like he's literally grieving his father like let him be but it the th- while I was creeped out by this interaction because the immediate she didn't like the reverend didn't even check in with Lorraine and about her own feelings she immediately was like I clearly you're clearly disappointed in your son so like <laughs> yeah and then you know and we'll get to this later but and then she completely has a 360 uh 180 later in the episode tom's mom does yeah um and you know there's a catalyst for that or whatever but we'll we'll get there we'll get there strange everything about this felt strange and the strangeness only solidified with that 180 (laughs) yeah 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 and um 
again, I have thoughts about it. I have thoughts about it. Um, I'll probably talk about it in my predictions. But it was it was just a strange moment. Um, and I think it again, I think it was designed to be a strange moment. Because uh, then it quickly gets back over to Isaac. And Isaac is coming to retrieve Tom. Tom is like, my dad was right. I'm sensitive and weak. And Isaac is like, excuse me, sir. Don't talk about my favorite person that way. Like, <laughs> this is not acceptable. And I immediately was like, tell him, Isaac. Tell him. I love you so much. Uh, but he starts crying. He leans over on Isaac's shoulder. And Isaac seems uncomfortable. Like, he doesn't know what to do. And I, that was my first hint of like, does he also have feelings for Tom? Like, because he yeah. seems unsure of himself. And I, that is only going to be a thing if, like, there's a reason for it to be a thing. Yeah. Like, I didn't read it that way, but I can see it. I can see what you're talking about there. I read it more of, like, Isaac himself isn't one for physical Okay, maybe reassurance like he, physical touch isn't one of his love languages. Like it's like not something he does. He's more of like an acts of service kind of guy. So like, and we've seen that throughout the episode where he will do things for you as to show that he cares and like physical affection or verbal affection aren't his strong suits. He's a silent type, but I can see what you're talking about. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, that could be a thing too. And again, it's only been one episode. Yeah. <laughs> so like it could be either at this point. Let's be honest. Um, but you, we're always reading into relationships on this pod. So if you don't like that, jump ship. Um, so, <laughs> so to speak, so to speak, uh, Barclay interrupts to tell Tom that the explosion happened outside the spaceship. So it was not Tom's fault. It was not the spaceship. Something else killed his dad. And now he is going to find out what did. So he goes to Swift Enterprises. He has a meeting with the congressman who his name was. Who's the congressman's name again? It starts with an E. Hold on. I wrote it down something. later. As something. Eskol. 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 Um, so he goes to meet with Eskol um, and says, you know, I'm planning to reconstruct what happened. I really need the satellite data from my dad's ship. And the congress dude is totally giving him the two-step. Big time DC two-step. Uh, and Tom reminds him, hey, we basically paid for your campaign. Like, you, the least you can do is help me with, like, the satellite stuff. And Rowan steps in and he's like, hey, back up. Watch your tone. And he's also not wrong in this instance. I know you're a Tom Swift apologist. But, like, <laughs> I, I get really bad vibes from people who pay, like, pay for politicians. Like whether you're good or bad, it's like uh, th I I have I have theories about this. Um, oh, you do? Yeah, I do. Okay. Um, and and well, I you think could part save of, them. <laughs> I mean, could save it. I'll just I'll tease it a little bit and saying, I repeat, uh, Barton clearly sold out for a traditional route. CEOs, you pay for things to get done. Easiest way to do that is to have it in with the government yeah it is i know and so, i know it's it's a reality that i mean it's I, a reality <laughs> that doesn't mean i have to like it but um don't. rowan steps in 
they make eye contact again, hot eye contact. And then uh, he leaves with Rowan and Z walks in a company named Ward Chemicals wants a new soap. And Tom is like, nah, that's below me. I'm not going to do that. I mean, is like, he wrong, though? And she's like, well, our stock is in a free fall since, and she tries to say it delicately, but she, since the Saturn incident, right? And she's basically like, we need a win, dude. This is an easy win. Give me a soap. And it is something that he obviously, we learn, we see obviously demonstrated later in the episode that he can do very quickly, like a night in his lab. Um, but she's also like, and also Claire is trying to steal the company from you. Like Barton is gone. She's trying to stay on as CEO. And Tom says, you've been watching too many Hamlet TikToks. One of my favorite lines to be ever said. Oh my ever. God. It was so funny. But then he had another one right after that. Cause she's like, you could, you could still get the CEO position, right? If you just stop punishing yourself. And he says, Zinzi, the only thing punishing me is that eyeliner. Another great one. <laughs> that one reminded me of the Nancy Drew one where he tells Nancy that he went to MIT and she went to the thrift store to buy that hat. <laughs> okay. That might be accurate, but like also Nancy. Her hat is cashmere. Thank you. It's cashmere. And cashmere it's better at sleuthing. No matter. It doesn't matter how long. You've oh, he's going to need her eventually. Let's he's going to need Nancy eventually. Like, eventually, no one's better. Especially, you know, the the big the big people. We are not there yet, but they get all oh, that reveal. Like, that's a huge Nancy story. So, you know, I'm just saying. It seems like they're setting up for some sort of something there. Uh, back at the mansion, Tom and Lorraine are having dinner. He tries to tell her what he's working on with the Barton situation. She doesn't want to talk about it. She's obviously still in grieving for her husband. She brings up Justin and they bond over him. But he interrupts her to tell her that, you know, I'm sorry I messed up my speech. And she's like, it's okay. There won't be people at the dedication this Saturday. And Tom says, okay, I promise I'll be there. And immediately when he says it, I'm like, he's, he's gonna not going to be there. Boy's not going to be also, there. also, you know what? So this is interesting to me that... um she's like there won't be people there and so i'm just i'm just initiation yeah like it felt weird (laughs) it really kind of did i mean this whole this whole thing like um and i wrote down what it's called in later in my notes it this whole thing at this point just feels really weird and i'm I'm interested to see more about it and i was like why have a dedication if there aren't going to be people there (laughs) like what's the point yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Even if it's just family and friends, like the whole point of a dedication is to have people dedicate something to them. Like, is it just going to be her and the reverend just dedicating something? Apparently. It felt so weird to me. It It felt so weird to me. Uh, we then cut to the gym in the mansion. It's a very nice gym. I'm very jealous, uh, where Barclay is analyzing the data and he tells Tom, there's no, there's no way the explosion came from inside the ship. And so Tom and Isaac and, um, Lino are in the gym. Barclay tells them what type of equipment they would need to access the uh, satellite data. And Tom realizes that they would have that type of equipment at a technical university, like a, like MIT, a place like that. And so he composes an email to a local university like that. I, I didn't write down the name of the university, 
it's like uh, Western com- Poly something. It was something. But he composes an email to the dean of students, and he's like, I'm going to donate $20 million for scholarships, but you need to throw me a VIP reception by the end of the week. Uh, and he plans to get access to the equipment during the party. Um, and the equipment, of course, has various protections. They come up with a plan using Tom's tech to get inside. Um, Lino is going to disable the cameras. Zinzi is going to distract the dean. And Isaac is going to help Tom with his plan on getting into the like location where the equipment is. And I love this scene with Zinzi and Tom where she's like, absolutely not. I am not doing crime. And he like, he's like, no, I really need you. So they bargain back and forth. And she's like, if you'll do the soap for me and have it to me by this day, I'll do it. And he agrees. And then she's like, I also want a wardrobe budget. And it cuts to her like entering the party. And I'm just like, murder. Like, you've <laughs> been assassinated. I was like, I am dead. You know who else was assassinated? Isaac. Because this is the scene that solidified that that was going to happen. That was going to be a thing. I have no idea if we're endgame or not because we, I, need, I need the build up. Yep. But there is definitely tension because Zenzi walked in. Isaac was like, He's like, hey, and, and you guys can't see my face, but I mean, but so was I. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. So <laughs> at the party, they all walk inside as a trio. It's a nice little shot of the three of them. They're obviously the Drew Crew equivalent of the show. Okay, Lino is kind of there. Pause. Do you think he called up Nancy for advice for this plan? Because I can totally see him being like, yo, Nancy. <laughs> need some advice he's gonna have to eventually he's gonna have to eventually uh they put on these strip things that act as communication instead of earbuds i I mean i was impressed like i was like you know what that's actually a thing that maybe they should invent feels feels like a good thing to invent but zinzi is there she's eyeing the congressman and she's obviously like trying to like get in there with the congressman uh but while she is talking to him isaac is unlocking the door to the hallway they need access to the equipment like he you know tom sneaks through the door as she distracts the dean and the congressman and so he we get a couple of different uh gadgets here so he used dampening shoes so that he doesn't set off the sound alarms and Leon, uh, Lino loops the camera so he isn't seen. That's not a gadget, but that's part of the plan. Uh, Tom goes into the server room. He finds the equipment they needs. He has to use like this spray selfie camera thing. Uh, yes. I didn't quite understand it. But um, anyways, he begins the data transfer and Lino sees on the camera that someone is coming. But Tom only has a little bit like 75% of the data. And so he ducks around the corner, it finishes, but just as someone is walking into the room, he gets pulled into like the server area Um, and three people enter the room. He turns around and it's Rowan. Rowan has pulled him into this safe spot where he can't be seen. And obviously they're being very quiet, but these three people come in. One is a guy in a security uniform and he's in trouble with the other two. And he says, see, there's no one here. So obviously there was some sort of alarm that Tom did not catch, right? 
uh, because they knew that he was in there, even though there was no one there. And the other guy says, well, there was a breach on your watch. We thought you had made a lifelong commitment to the organization. And the security officer says, you know, I have. Leadership knows that. I've proven my loyalty. And the guy says, yeah, which is why we've tried, decided to treat you with leniency. And then he breaks the man's neck. And I don't Tom's know. face. Oh, my God. Tom's face. Was he my was like, face. Uh, yes, he was all of us. Tom was, he all, was of us. all of us. And it just I don't want to know what not being lenient is. I know. I guess that's like torture. I guess. <laughs> but like Tom is the reason that dude's dead. I, I I mean, it's not his fault. But like him sneaking in there, like he obviously set off some sort of alarm. And this security guy is like thrown under the bus for it. That's 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 rough. But the two people. Uh, that or just killed the other dude. They plan to wipe the surveillance videos and take care of the body. Tom uses his little communication strip thing to send a binary code that uh, a cipher that he invented when he was nine, because of course he did. Um, Makes sense. Nancy too did that. Duh. I'm just gonna call. I'm gonna call Tom Nancy. Um, <laughs> and tells them to leave without him. Uh, Barclay translates it to the rest of the group. Rowan tells Tom to take his clothes off. And I was like, so soon? And then it was just to change clothes so they could get out undetected. It's but, very um, Isaac goes to retrieve Z, pulls her into a dance, and it's very, very nice. They have excellent chemistry yet again. I put there's definite chemistry right there. And I put right, question mark, to which Teresa says, yes. Yes. Uh, and Tom is getting changed with Rowan. He sees scars on him and he starts to question him. And he's like, Rowan tries to play off as his help, but admits that people are watching Tom and they almost get caught again. And Tom notices that Rowan has glittery nails and Tom is very, very attracted to them. But Rowan says where I'm from, nothing was pretty. So I like to see something beautiful every day. And I tell you what, when Tom looks at him after he says that, I put Tom's face. Me, I'm pretty. You can look at me every day. <laughs> like, I'm beautiful. You can look at me. I was like, were there no mirrors where he's from? Because he I know. Looking at himself. I was like, oh, I was like oh, you you're beautiful laugh. and you were there. Last <laughs> friend. But like, the look on Tom's face slayed me because he was like, oh. I'm beautiful. You can look at me. <laughs> Which I mean, he is. He is also beautiful. But back at the Swift Mansion, Rowan has driven Tom home. He's still not answering questions. He does tell Tom that he's helping because he deserves to know what happened to his father. Isaac pulls Rowan out of the car. <laughs> is there anything more attractive? He is that. so attractive in this moment there, because he he wasn't even asking questions. And no. then Tom is like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Help me. We had sexy, sexy times earlier in the episode. And this was still the sexiest moment of the whole episode. <laughs> See, this could be another moment, though, that can be interpreted as like he doesn't like Rowan because Rowan is like a romantic interest for Tom. I'm just saying. I did not read it like that either. <laughs> But you know how I feel. I'm on the Z Isaac train. Well, anywho, <laughs> I've not made up my mind for Isaac yet. I ship Isaac and happiness. Um, 
But anywho, uh, Tom walks in. Uh, he, he blows Zinzi off. They get into an argument where she feels like he is treating even his family, like everybody, like hired help. Like they're all beneath him. Like he, he wants to be alone or whatever. Um, and he says, girl, everything you have, you have because you're my playmate. And I put in all caps, uncalled for. It, it was a little harsh. <laughs> it was uncalled for, Teresa. I know this <laughs> apologist. That was uncalled for. Uh, and she tells him, and she's not wrong, that he's being selfish by ignoring the company and the thousands of people employed by their company. They're both right and wrong in this situation. I am not on either person's side because they're both saying some right things and they're both saying some things that are not so right. And even the things that they're saying that are right are twisted around. Like, you know what I mean? So, but we do get Tom. He says that, you know, his dad didn't love him because he was gay. We get confirmation that, 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 yeah, that's that's what he believes. You know what I find really interesting and it got solidified in this scene um, that there's underlining jealous, there's complete love and adoration on both sides. This friendship is clearly very solid and long lasting, but there's an underlying jealousy between each other that um, Zenzi probably feels a little like she's owing the sort of something because Tom isn't exactly wrong in the sense that she had a leg up because she had that connection to the swifts and that means something right because the swifts because they love her and they notice her talent and they notice her ambition and everything that she could offer her and so they open doors for her because she's incredible and so she probably does feel like there's a jealousy there because she's unsure of where she fits because she has the full understanding that he's not entirely out of it, it was out of pocket and uncalled for because she's clearly incredibly smart and very talented at her job but she probably feels like a little bit of that is true (laughs) um and then there's tom who's like has seen the kind of relationship she has with both of his parents without the added pressure of being a swift and what that means of how openly loving and accepting and encouraging of her they are because she's allowed to exist outside of the complications of the Swift name, right? Because if she messes up, that's just another employee versus Tom carries all of that legacy and all of those implications. But not only that, but we see that Zenzi kind of handles that pressure with a grace Tom just doesn't have, at least at the moment. Because every time Tom messes up, Zenzi steps up. And there's a sense of like, Tom probably- Again though, less pressure. Yeah, less pressure. And like, there's probably a part of Tom thinking that she's might be more deserving of everything he has than he is because she's just so much better at it. At the, not I, all of the traditional It almost stuff. makes you wonder if this will end up being like an Iron Man situation where he just stays the brains of the company and he lets Z- Zenzi be CEO. Zenzi take over because like, she's yeah. just- and like, I can repeat, because she's just so good at it. But he's going to make a go for it, though. Which yeah, is more than what it, Tony Stark ever did. So. did um, but like, it's so like, there's like this really layered, complicated relationship there because they clearly have such great love for each other. Yeah. And I'm have, interested there, to see it fleshed out. Yeah. At this point, Barclay has analyzed the stolen data 
and found that when his dad's ship left the Earth's atmosphere, a satellite shot a bomb at it. He's not able to find any information about who the satellite belongs to, but they do find a symbol on the satellite. He texts Justin and poor Justin. He thought it was a booty call. It was not. Uh, And Justin is able to figure out that the launch pad for the satellite belonged to Congressman Batty, as we will call him. He is a Batty. And (laughs) called that one. (laughs) Um, But Justin then comes to visit and he says he has to give him it on paper because he can't tell him over the phone that apparently Escal, which is the congressman, his company, the Stone Corporation, is a front for the road back. Because of course it is. <laughs> because of course it is. And, and if you're a Nancy Drew fan, we know all about the road back. Yeah, we and, did. Yeah, and I called about that, that like 10 or 15 minutes before this reveal. I was like, so we're, we're thinking it's the road back, right? Like, of course it is, right? <laughs> like, we know everything about them and nothing about them at the exact same fucking time. Um, they want to prevent the technological advancement of humanity, which I don't know that that's as accurate as much as it is. They want to prevent the technological advancement of everyone but themselves. Yeah, I think there's like an undercurrent of that being the thing that sells people to join them. But like the reality of it is much darker because we know that they use the supernatural, right? Like they've used yeah. paranormal resources, which to get what they want and to, to get what they want, uh, which involves the creation of technology in order to cipher those resources. So like, and also they're all about like, um, marginalizing groups yeah. of people. Um, so yeah, interesting. We now have the road back in Tom Swift, which is yet another reason for Nancy to make a, make an appearance at some point. I wonder if this is why they didn't use the road back in season three of Nancy Drew as much as we would have predicted because. Well, it obviously now still exists three years, three years from now. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is yet another reason because everybody is thinking that the road back is going to be a big focus for Nancy in season four too. So yet another reason why Nancy Drew might have a time jump. I wonder what they're going to do once the road back's defeated, because apparently that's like the big bad, the big bad of this universe. I don't know. But um, anyways, so, yeah, they're they're trying to destroy basically everything that Swift Enterprises stands for. And I put Justin is so into Tom. He's so into Tom. I put here's here are my notes. I'm going to read them for you. It's in bullets. He's so into Tom. I think everyone is, though. He's planning to help Tom. <laughs> Everyone has a little bit of a crush on Tom and I can't blame them. I mean, He's you're not wrong. Kind of wonderful. <laughs> but it's at that moment Tom realizes he forgot the dedication that he promised Lorraine he would go you to. You know what? It might have been a saving grace. <laughs> I mean, maybe. But he goes and finds his mom and his mom is completely shut down. She's done a 180 She's like, I shouldn't have coddled you all those years, basically. Uh, the Reverend says Tom isn't ready to take on a leadership role. And here's what it's called, the Tubman Social Group. Interesting name. Um, yeah, very interesting name. 
Uh, but anywho, so she's now shut down. Like she's totally shut down, and it's just so strange because considering her at the beginning of the episode, like, and could really one disappointment really change all? <laughs> yeah, that that's my thing, and also especially after she defended him so fiercely after the funeral. Yeah, I mean, it almost gives you a Stepford wife kind of kind of feel. Yeah, and the thing that biked me the most was her implication of like she shielded him from so much and I'm like I'm sure there are things that a mother shields her son from and a lot of it has to do with like responsibility and I think what it means to be really involved in this Tupman social group um and but I'm just like your son's a gay black man in America who's a nerd like what did you protect him from because I'm just like I don't yeah there's like he's probably tougher than you think (laughs) i don't know it just gives me such like vibes of like either like she's doing it that she's doing this to yet again protect him from something like either she's found out something nefarious so in order for him to not be involved she's gonna be involved or like i don't want to say mind control but i mean come on mind control like i don't know it was just a complete her whole arc this episode it was interesting was and weird. maybe not even it, it doesn't have to be mind control it could just be subliminal like messaging or hypnosis like those are much more yeah. realistic and actually used right again not to bring it back to cults cults right because it feels a little disrespectful given that the ladies are reverend but like they use that right programming's part of cults and like it felt a little Cults use religion to their advantage. To to like, yeah. And then like they hide behind it. So I wouldn't, I I mean, it's just an interesting storyline because it's clearly going to be something that comes back. I was going to say it's going somewhere. Yeah, it's going somewhere. And so I just, I'm just very intrigued by it. Very creeped out by it. I'm a little nervous as to what it means, but. Yep. Agreed. Uh, Tom is. Uh, officially at like a low point at this point he goes to his dad's study he destroys a picture of his family and lots of things he destroys lots of things but he finds among his like wreckage a folder and he opens it up and apparently over the years barton has collected newspaper clippings cards like various objects related to tom um like in his accomplishments things that he made for his dad like when he was a kid he made a card like promising his dad that they would he would help him find a way to saturn and like these are all things that his dad has kept and so what this does is it proves to the audience and to tom right his dad was proud of him he was obviously proud of him And he obviously loved his son, but for some reason, and it brings me back to what we were just talking about with this potential like cult like place. Like, is this a thing that he had to hide or a thing that like, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like there's something deeper behind this that he felt like he had to hide his pride of his son. I And it's just like, it's just so sad because again, a part of it is, and it might be, I feel like this is just all like allegory to 
like toxic masculinity and like this idea of what it means to be a traditional American family and like how do you express love and pride and like who gets it and who doesn't and like there's so much here and I just again repeat like this is this is reiterating the feeling that Barton feels regret of following the traditional path of what all of that means and how he was attempting to prepare Tom for that kind of life when Tom was so clearly rejecting the idea yeah, and like the kind of tension that was bringing into the relationship. I will be very interested and we're not going to have a resolution on this for a while guys. Cause like yeah. he's obviously going to be in Saturn the whole season. Um, <laughs> but I'll be, I'll be interested to see where they go with this. So um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, I, uh, it'll be interesting when they are allowed or when Tom does figure out how to communicate with his dad and what that means after all of this. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, no, we don't know his dad's alive yet. Stop. Um, so back in his lab, <laughs> Sorry. back in his lab, uh, Tom is saying, if I can't fix my life, I'll fix these shoes and make some soap for Zindi. So there's this really great sequence with really awesome music where he perfects the shoes while also designing the cleaning solution for the ward group. And he takes it to Swift Enterprises. He shares the soap with the board. It not only cleans, but purifies the air on contact. And he's like, that's right. I saved the company. He's like, I know what my father thought of me and that I was too sensitive to run this company. But his mistake was thinking that in order to lead, you have to be boring basic and ordinary like you Claire <laughs> I love oh that. god I died and I died just, and it brings it back and then this is a line that brings it back to like the cult and the stuff for wives feel like they're yeah. boring and basic yep. and and he that's is not. the antithesis <laughs> of Tom and so yep. like, but he tells her that you know I'm not giving up the company I'm coming for the crown and she says then you better not miss and I said, Claire is definitely a baddie. Definitely. And I, t- I said this way earlier because we caught Claire being a baddie from the start. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I clocked her from the get go. I was like, Karen, when she, when she stepped up gleefully because Tom wasn't there, she's like, excuse me, my time to shine. I was like, this I've got this. Be- she was way too happy. He was not there. <laughs> she was way too happy. <laughs> uh, but Zinzi is really happy in this scene. She's like, yeah, that's my, that's my friend. Like she was the look on her face. She was really happy. But back at Tom's lab, he's still analyzing the data. He realizes that the file size of the data is too big and it doesn't make sense for the amount of audio that they had. And even before he said it, I was like, oh, analog. And he realizes that, yes, he needs to manually break down the file It's a video of Barton and Barton says, Tom, listen to me. My ship has been destroyed. I escaped into the starboard bay that broke off and sealed itself during the explosion. I have one working research pod left. It's where I'll be hiding. I'm sending a hyper uh, velocity capsule back to earth that will give you everything you need to find me. It cannot wind up in anyone's hands, but yours and Tom, one other thing I want you to know, and then it breaks off. 
And of course it was very emotional, right? He was obviously about to tell him something, either I love you or something important or like, but it breaks off. Uh, the video was timestamped after the explosion. So his dad survived the explosion and is now just floating around in sat near Saturn. Um, just but hanging out. The message has disappeared. And it, when that happened, it irked me that Tom didn't even blink at that. I was like, the message just disappeared, boy, and you're not going to like question why Here's the message the has disappeared. And when I when I talked about there being subtle things in the episode that I missed the first time that I was just like, oh, you know, the first time I watched it, when it said the message was gone, I was like, well, where to go? Who deleted um, it? Like, the it was this, this I, I didn't think much of it at the first time I watched it. It was this and that tune up comment that Tom get, told Barclay be like, oh, Barclay, you're glitching. It's time for me to tune you up were like two things I missed the first time that made that looked completely different the second time I watched yeah. it. But um, so anyway, his dad survived the explosion. Um, Tom, you know, realizes that now he Barclay figures out where the cops uh, with the capsule should fall. So Tom and Zinzi head there. Um, Tom tells Zinzi about Eskal and she's like, I guess all the good ones are married, gay or criminal masterminds and like mood. Uh, but they apologize to one another. Isaac wants to bring in NASA, but Tom's worried they might be infiltrated by the Rebecca. Uh, Barton, uh, they make comments about Barton surviving Everest with no oxygen and a broken foot. And I'm like, holy fuck, what? <laughs> Why? Um, it was so embarrassing. I was like, no, I need more information. No, this is like its own spinoff. But um <laughs> The capsule enters the atmosphere. It shatters upon re-entry because, of course, and Bar uh, Barclay tracks where it's going. And Isaac's like, it's going all over the country. And Zinzi said, oh, no, if only we had the resources to go out and find them. And I was like, girl, mood, stop it. Oh, my God, I died. But um, so that they're uh, going to go and find these pieces and try to reassemble them so they can get the coordinates or whatever they need the info to get find his dad. But they can't let anyone know what they're doing. Back on the Swift jet, meanwhile, because I think they mentioned they're headed to Atlanta. So I guess next week's episode, we're going to be in Atlanta. But um, Tom apologizes to Isaac, makes a joke about his refusal to wear anything but black. And he's like, don't worry, I brought you some new clothes. He tells Lino that he'll be home soon and to keep an eye on Claire. So obviously Lino is going to have his own Claire related storyline. Um, they get on the plane and the audience, we see that they are being watched. So Escal and the Roback have placed spyware in Barclay. It's working its way through Barclay's operating system and eventually they'll have full control of Barclay. And he asks like of his minions right or whatever like are you loyal are you gonna agree to keep um tom in the dark and they all agree and we pan over and one of the loyal minions is rowan and he ends the episode he says no matter what and i put i call bullshit on that one <laughs> yeah i was like no matter what you're gonna fall in love okay i know that's what's no matter what <laughs> i've seen the ending to this movie i know how this ends like, I, we know how this ends and it ends beautifully okay it ends exactly. with two men in love exactly and i'm here and i'm here for it it's i'm on this great. train i am ready when, i i um, 
well, I one agree. of the writers was it who who tweeted like what's the ships like who are you shipping at the end and I was like why are you asking this question you know exactly who we're shipping and it's Rowan and Tom I don't understand <laughs> hey there might be some Justin and Tom fans or Isaac and Tom fans okay Justin and Tom are like literally a diversion when you could literally have a whole souffle like why <laughs> I mean Rowan and Tom definitely have the best chemistry if you ask me for sure so but anyways that was the episode <laughs> all right so we've got a couple of segments you know and much like Nancy and we're going to reschool our Nancy episodes next season also with some different segments moving some things around so if you listen to our nancy drew podcast um, which this is still it but if you listen to the nancy drew episodes we do a ghost count and so now for tom swift we are going to do a gadget count because come on guys how we can we not <laughs> so many gadgets um, and I know Teresa and I were talking about the number beforehand. I think we set it on five. Teresa, we missed one. Yeah, the it's did six, you realize the com, the, the com one six? I yep. made a note of that too. When Excellent. We were talking, I was like, oh yeah, we missed that one. Yep. So, so Teresa, are, do you want to give us our count? Yes, officially, our gadget count is starting off strong with six gadgets. Um, so I'm excited to see how many more we get this season. All of these gadgets seem too good to be true. Uh, and Barclay does not count. Barclay yeah, is not a gadget. He's, he's he is um oh my gosh, he's AI. He's artificial yeah. intelligence. He's not a gadget. He is pretty much one of the main cast members. Okay. Yes. He's just like um whatchamacallit in Iron Man. Oh god. Uh, you have Paul Jarvis. Bettany. Jarvis, yep. Jarvis. And then Friday after Jarvis becomes evolves i guess like a pokemon falls <laughs> from being jarvis to being vision yes exactly exactly <laughs> hey which i mean i would take lavar burton if he wanted to come, come on the show like i'll take an evolution of, of barclay but anyway yeah i'm i love it all right so what's our gadget count it's at uh, six we're at six uh gadgets i'm excited to, to continue and i'm interested to see if we'll have more counts i know for nancy we have three counts so for now, we're just starting off with our gadgets. And their gadget counts. And, our and gadget for counts. those who are interested, our gadgets that we were able to pinpoint, we had the bouncy shoes. The bouncy the shoes, soap. the shoes, the communication strips, um, the door thing. I don't know what they called it that opened the door that they Isaac didn't. used. They didn't call uh, it. Anything. Uh, the photo spray thing. And then what was the other one? The soap. soap. The soap. The soap. Yep. Right. So those are our six gadgets. All right. On to our next segment, Into the Drooniverse. So in Into the Drooniverse, we're going to uh, be pointing out um, connections to Nancy Drew. And we're going to do we're going to do into the Drewniverse for our Nancy Drew episodes, too, with connections to Tom Swift. Now that they all exist in the same Drewniverse. So in this episode, the obvious Into the Drewniverse reference was the road back, bitches. Yeah. Uh, the road back is a huge, huge Into the Drewniverse reference. Um, and we did not see it in the pilot. However, in the trailer, 
for Tom Swift. We did see, so I don't know which episode it's going to be in, but we saw it in the trailer, and I'll bring it up if we get to the episode. Uh, he has a red roadster. It is a red version of Nancy's car. Did you see that in the trailer? I actually had know nothing about cars, so I just saw a red car. But <laughs> Oh, it's it's a red roadster. So anyways, but yeah, so the big Into the Druniverse connection this week obviously was the road back. And like the trip to Saturn since that technically started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nancy Drew, but that was like, duh. Yep. All right, on to ratings. So... I actually gave this a four. Uh, so did I. Did you? Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, solid episode. Um, I don't like this pilot as much as I like the Nancy pilot, but it was a good episode. But that's unfair because the Nancy pilot might be like one of my favorite pilots of all time. It was just Ever. a really good pilot. And I think there's like, there's um, given the topics at hand, Nancy's pilot could have done a little bit more more because they are allowed to tap into supernatural elements that like well and i mean to be fair to be fair i say this with complete transparency and honesty most pilots suck they so to give this a 4.0 is a huge compliment because most pilots like psych is one of my favorite tv shows of all time if i had to rate it pilot it would be no higher than a three like it's just not a good pilot like it's not a great pilot and they changed a lot in the second episode yeah 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 and so like honestly a four out of five and that's our scale um our scale for this week uh i forgot to say our scale but on a scale of one to five are you ready i'm i'm so i don't know what you'll be saying (laughs) Nude selfie camera mists. <laughs> I guess it should be nude selfie mist cameras. Let's go with that. Nude yeah. selfie mist cameras. I give it a four. Uh, one being also, garbage, five being iconic. iconic. Um, but like I like that it's starting on a four because it gives it room to grow. Because honestly, the Nancy pilot was so strong that the next three episodes kind of weren't as good as yeah, the pilot. They were kind of slower. Um, but yeah, this this. What I personally really enjoyed about this episode was how clearly they use the technicalities of creating a TV show to their advantage to set themselves apart from Nancy Drew. Like the mm-hmm. stylistic choices, the tone, the shots, the cinematography, it all really gave its clear own voice. It's and so like, futuristic. It's, it, yeah, it's, there's, Afrofuturism embedded into the core of this show that um, is really exciting because yeah. I feel like there there is one Afrofuturism is a topic or a genre that isn't talked about enough, and then <laughs> this show's really really kind of leaned into it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was it was a solid episode. I felt like that's so funny. We gave it we gave it the same thing. All right predictions yeah do you want to start do you want me to go i don't care uh i'll go first because mine probably suck okay yours are probably really well thought out i actually full disclosure i forgot to do predictions until we came to record and i was like shit um let me just write down a couple of things off the top of my head so if mine aren't great this week i apologize 
Um, it's also the first episode. There's not much to yeah, do. Like, yeah. there's not much to predict just Mine yet. are really, and because we only have one episode to build on, mine are really more general, general predictions about where the season is going to go. Yeah. Uh, so the first one, of course, is ships. Um, Tom and Rowan. And I put Isaac and everyone. <laughs> well, when they introduced the character, they did say he was Pan. So it could be literally, oh, Isaac, literally and Isaac and everyone. I'm okay with this. It's great. <laughs> Um, I put, I put some notes about the church and I put the road back question mark. Like, is the road back, is the road back somehow connected to this Tubman group? Like, is this, um, a boots on the ground, like organization, like part of the bigger picture? Like, is it part of like, honestly, I wonder if it's some sort of thing, like some sort of organization front that they use to control those that they deem are in need of control. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Again, that would make sense if, you know, they're anti-tech, why Tom's dad would be a part of it and why now they've recruited the mom, right? Um, And they were hoping to get Tom because I think, that really the church sees him just like the road back does as a threat almost. So, you know, connection there, maybe, maybe question mark. Um, I put potentially Zinzi going undercover with the Congress dude, because he's obviously into her, which I mean, same, but also <laughs> Rowan, Rowan, right. Undercover with like working like as a double agent of sorts, giving me the Snape vibes. Uh, love it. And I put, Justin betrayed Tom because of Rowan. Like, cause Justin is obviously really, really hot for Tom. Like, would he betray him if like Tom were to not be as into him as he is into Tom? I mean, we've seen worse things. We've seen worse things. Like, um, so, you know, I don't know. I guess, I, you know, I didn't think about that because to me, I don't know if Justin will come back. <laughs> Maybe, but he seemed really into him this episode. But oh, is um, that all a front? I don't know. I do think that Barclay is going to realize he's been compromised sooner rather than later. Like, uh, yeah. I think that Barclay himself will recognize because he's an AI. Um, and that, so that I think something wrong with him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think he's going to detect that there is something wrong with him because we just it takes away. Like, it can't be, like, 10-plus episodes of them knowing everything Tom is going to do. Like, you know what I mean? That takes away from, like, their ability to even be a back and forth between Tom and the road back. There's supposed to be at least an, a semblance of equal footing for yes. that to be, for tension and, sus- and like, suspense to exist. <laughs> yes. So I do think the Barclay situation... That was the big like reveal at the end of the episode or whatever. I do think that is going to be resolved sooner rather than later. Um, and obviously the season is going to be about them trying to find the different pieces of the message uh, before Tom can rescue his dad. That's obviously going to be towards the end of the season. My thing is, will the road back get to him first? Even I think that could I could see that being the big, big swap reveal at the end of the season. Like Tom puts this message together or whatever. And by the time he re- gets it all together, they've already gotten him. Or have- <laughs> is his dad 
in the road back and this was all staged in order to get Tom to comply. Interesting thoughts. Yes. Um, these are all the things that are were resting at the very, very top recesses of my brain. So now <laughs> Teresa is going to um, impress you with much more thought-provoking predictions. Yeah. So um, uh, we are align on a lot of things like ship wise I do think Rowan and Tom are going to be a thing I am on the Isaac and Zenzi train um whether they're not their end game is still up in the air I do think they will be a thing <laughs> eventually um That's fair. I do th- I do think Rowan will become a spy um I think he will flip um and I think part of it is that there there's like this underlying current of I think that like the nail polish and and like having a focus on something that's pretty is a way to fight programming oh um and so having I guess I don't want to say like having a personality but (laughs) like having no, the road back seems like a programming type of yeah so but having an outlet to be a little off the beat like off the beaten track to be a little non-traditional helps fight programming of of what the road back is and what they're looking for because I do agree that the social group the Tugman social group has something a connection with the road back and I whether or not they are um there are two things that I think could happen. One, I do agree with you. They're either with the road back completely and are um, kind of the initiation group, like the starter group before you really dedicate your life to the road back. And whether that means programming and like being brainwashed so you can then be extraordinary, extraordinarily loyal yeah. um, at the end is, is a thing or whether or not they test the waters of like what, your limits are and how much knowledge you can hold within the organization um, is something because I do think the line of I've shielded you for so much is pretty much only dedicated to like we've we've not allowed the road back to touch you at to this point yeah and I because I do think the Swifts are connected to the road back like any powerful family um I think the grandfather did it was the one that initiated and they used the road back to create swift enterprises and now the road back wants to collect um and and i think that barton um has been a member of the road back and i think having tom as a son has allowed him to be conflicted with his programming um because tom is so off the beaten track it's so confident in himself and so unwilling to compromise himself and so unwilling to fall trapped to those traditional norms that the roadback kind of wants to sustain. Um, that that comes time, back to the envy too. The envy of what Tom is and how he will probably, even if the roadback tries, won't succeed in ever converting him into a loyal member. Um, and having those arguments with Tom helped him to kind of regain some of himself and because of that I think that's why they're trying to get rid of Barton because they're like well he's been compromised we can't yeah he started his programming is wearing off it's wearing off so that's why they are trying to get Tom and when Tom has been shown to be flaky that's not a good base 
like good foundation for a member. They went with the mom. And I think Claire is also in on it. So like Claire being a member. I think Claire reports back to them. Yeah, definitely. Claire's definitely in on it. Claire has been helped the congressman achieve everything. Um, And so I think there's that. And I think that um, that's what he was trying to tell Tom at the end was like, you need to know about the road back and how how deeply involved our family goes and why you can't Which trust anyone. Which is why it can't set off. Yeah, and why you can't trust anyone because everyone he knows is part of the road back. And that's why I'm actually kind of scared for Zenzi and whether or not she might be compromised even if she doesn't know it. Yeah. Also, it would check, like, if they already had seen the message from Barton, that they cut the message off where they wanted it to, that would insinuate that they wanted Tom to hear the part about the message, which would then mean they want him to find it for them. Well, that's like how they need that. Yeah, Sensi implied, like, who has the ability to find stuff? Tom Swift does. Put it together and actually get to Saturn. So, like, so, yeah, yeah, and, I like, I'm scared that, like, Tom, because this is his family and because he wasn't allowed to know how far it goes with this family, he's trusting the wrong people unintentionally. And whether those people know they're compromised or not is up in the air because I am afraid that Zenzi or Isaac, not Isaac so much, because he's, like I said, he's like the silent type. I don't think he'd talk to anybody, but Zenzi would accidentally say something to someone that's wrong because she's so... Like, she feels like she owes the Swift something and, like, she's so involved with the company that, like, she just will accidentally spill something because she's part of the programming. She's, like, um, yeah, so I have that idea rolling up in my head. I do agree with you that, like, uh, Barclay will be, like, his compromise will be discovered, right? Because, and I think that was that's the red herring that everything they know you think is going to be because of Barclay but in reality it's not just Barclay being compromised with software or malware uh it's because there's also a human element to it that they don't know about until the end well I mean yes because also it's much easier to get spyware into technology you know yeah but I do think close to it I I would surprise if they don't discover Barclay's been compromised by episode three or four. Yeah, me too. Um, Tom has already noticed the glitches. He's like, he's already said that he needs to tune Barclay up. And like, once he actually does that and follows through, he's going to notice. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, and like, I already said Claire's on it. Like, that pretty much covers all of my thoughts. Um, and when I mentioned about like the congressman and like why you buy something, it's because I not I think the Swifts are part of the roadback and the roadback and like the congressman's clearly part of the roadback and like they helped him get into government because the roadback just wants power. <laughs> and um, I am under the impression, or maybe I'm under, I'm curious if he if Barton was also trying to deprogram some of the people he accidentally recruited. Once he mm-hmm. realized like how shitty the back is Maybe. and how much they're asking of him as like sacrifice, as repayment of what they helped him get 
his family. Yeah. So all, that, that's it. We all we like interesting. Are, yeah, we're all we're aligned as to like what we think is going to be happening so far. Well, I mean, we're going to have a new episode soon, so we'll see. That's true. All right. Ending off with some announcements. So make sure you go rate Tom Swift on IMDb. The racist assholes have descended. So just make sure that you uh, go give that a good score on IMDb. The show itself, not necessarily the episode, the show. Um, also, Tom Swift had the third highest ratings for the week this week. As it behind should. Walker and Superman and Lois. That's exciting. And on a Nancy Drew note, Nancy Drew starts filming in July. So be on the lookout on all the Nancy Drew cast social media for some behind the scenes content if you're a Nancy Drew fan as well. But that is all that we have for you today. So I'm I'm now that we're at our sign off, you know, do we want to change it to Swift Squad or like Catch a Later Drudes is what we usually say. So uh, I don't know. I guess it means only appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> all right. How about this, y'all? We'll say catch you later, Drudes and Twifties. What is it that the what the other creator was saying? Twifties? Twifties? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, we'll say that. Catch you later, Drudes and Twifties. Bye.